Real Estate. I'm Noelle Freyson and... I'm Eric Anderson and we are so excited. We have part two today. Part two of how to be a developer. How to make $400,000 turn into $4 million. And back by popular demand, we have Yusuf Khan. Yay! And as always, who do we have on our panel Omar today? Omar Sharif, our developer du jour. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. So anyway, let's get right into it. So All right. what happens on a daily basis when you wake up in that morning and you've already started being a developer? Like when I wake up in the morning, I think like, oh, I got to get my kids off to school. Mm-hmm. I have 120, you know, associates. I have to make sure they're all not not breaking any rules. And you're thinking I have a six million dollar, twenty million dollar building to build. Like, what do you? What's your first thing when you wake up? What do you think? What's that first thing that says? And I'm not talking about like, oh, after the bathroom. What's the first <laughs> development thing? I'm glad I'm alive. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think I guess you're trying to get at is like, kind of what the day to day is for th- this kind of work, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's it's, uh, I mean, it, it's. Let me think about this because. Uh, you, 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 you. I think we were talking a little bit last time about, you know, what's important for for people. Like, you got to be happy in what you're doing, and and, yes. and and that sort of thing, right? So, I mean, I for 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 me, it's like, what part of this do I enjoy the most? And that's usually what I'm trying to kind of uh, think about. In the think morning. about in the morning, right? Okay. But (laughs) the things that you enjoy the most are usually the things that you're the best at, right? Right, I feel like And the things that you're not really good at are usually the things that are crumbling and falling apart. (laughs) So how do you structure your day so you're also thinking about the things that are pains in the butt? Or do you delegate those? I mean, I I feel like this is just something that I've learned is like you got to find the right people that... For them, I'm, I'm, this is the one thing I learned. That there's always somebody. If I don't like uh, cold calling or something, mm-hmm. there's always somebody out there that loves it. You know, if I don't like, no one loves cold calling, <laughs> sweetie. <laughs> well, then I, I hope I hope someone the people you can that are, pay to do I hope it, the right? people that are doing it they, they do enjoy it right. a little bit at least. But yeah, you could always find. You know, my point is get the best person for that job and and put them in place so that it's not something that you have to deal with right i think that's part of maturing in your career whichever one yeah. it is right? so how does that translate to your morning what are you doing that's a good question i mean i'm I, i'm i'm you know if i'm in in the, in the weeds on the building side of things then i'm planning out the, the the next week and and planning out the rest of the logistics for 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 today and if i'm you know chasing a deal down then it's kind of you know i usually have better ideas in the morning of what I could, you know, another way I could look at it and so on and so forth. So that's that's probably what I'm thinking about. Yeah, those two things. So the stuff that I'm working on now and then and the stuff that I'm trying to put in the pipeline. So Omar and I, as you know, we just started a development. So I know that when we wake up in the morning, we're like, well, who showed up today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did they show up today? Yeah. Right. Did did we break any laws today? Is OSHA coming? Yeah. And um, you know, I don't even know if we're thinking about the next project in the morning. I think right. we think about that like at five o'clock when I start drinking. You know, Omar Omar doesn't like to drink, but I do. And you know, I definitely am am, am waiting till the end of the day to think about the new thing. Right. So we could talk about what, what you guys got going on. And do we could do you have daily meetings with certain people? Are there certain people that you know you must speak to every single day as a developer? I mean, I, I, 
I, of course, I have, uh, and we touched on this, I have other things going on. So, I mean, I, I probably spend 30 minutes with my attorney every day. Okay. Um, and then I probably just, uh, maybe the some of the subcontractors, I probably speak to them, you know, the heads of the of, of the of the firms they I speak to them probably every day do you have like an, an owner's rep or a construction manager or do you deal no, with we, the subs we're, directly we're, we're dealing with them directly okay. so we're you know general contracting on our own development and then um we're also building for others so so what are the questions that you know we wake up in the morning what which what should we have a cm mm-hmm. so we would what should we be asking our cm or what should our CM be telling us in the morning? Construction manager, Construction right? manager. I mean, okay. I think there should be some sort of reporting back daily and weekly so you know what happened the day before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that'd be probably something that you would want to go over as the last few days. It looks like, you know, there's a lot of people that showed up and, you know, that sort of thing or yeah. didn't show up or, you know, you know where we're at with this. And then... Uh, I know that with timelines, when it comes to construction projects, like I've never seen, you know, any project go according exactly to the timeline, right? So that's just how it goes. But I mean, definitely making sure that we're, you know, we're, you're, you're you're moving at the pace that you want to move, and and you have all those things in place with. So like a timeline check, a schedule check. Should we be doing that weekly or daily? I think uh, just there should be some sort of reporting daily as to what's mm-hmm. going on that day, especially if you're not on site all day. So you you gotta know what else is going on, and then and then of course weekly, like where where there should be a meeting weekly where where you are, where you're going. You so know, are, are they what, sending what, you what we spent this week yeah. on uh, on what trades, so on and so forth? And are they sending you a daily report, email, phone call? I mean, How it's something it? that I, I do is is I have like a daily report. I mean, it's like Word. Microsoft Word with some receipts of like stuff yeah. that happened, uh, materials we bought, uh, pictures of, of of work that was going on, how many people yeah. were on the job, which mm-hmm. trades were on the job, that sort of thing. So, okay. Do you visit your site every day? Uh, the ones that I, I I'm in charge of, yeah. So, would you say that that's huh. a requirement as a construction manager or an owner, right? Because we're we're both or we we we're right now but at some point we may want to be our own cm right so would you say that it's important to be at that job site every day how much time should we be spending how much time do you spend and does it depend on what's being done because if they're digging or if they're installing steel is it do you, would you recommend having somebody there every day i mean i've you know in my whole like 10 years of like dealing with construction so on and so forth like it just doesn't work if there's nobody there and that like you could have someone mm-hmm. you could have like the the the, the top contractor in the world you know but you 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 gotta you gotta be there just to make sure you know and but how much time do you spend there i mean so that's the thing right i i think it also depends on like i I mentioned top contractors right like there is probably framers or electricians or whoever out there that you've never really had to check their work Mm -hmm. and they did it like a to z but you still have to do it you get i'm trying to say so it's it's one of those things i mean i I don't think there's like a, a a a time thing per se but I mean, you're also talking about managing your own jobs. If you hire a construction manager, a project manager, whatever it is, you're managing your own jobs yourself or hiring somebody out. You know, if you were to hire a GC, you know, the the whole point of it should be that you as an owner don't have to be there on site really like, you know, maybe once a week or something, right? But, you know, if if, if you're with, with a CM, that means you're a little bit more hands-on, right? You're kind of doing it in-house, right? So... In that in that situation, it needs to be 
Yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's like a right number, but you know, there it there's got to be management that's outside of just the subs. But it's every day on the job. So you're, someone day. is visiting the site every day. Yeah. Okay. So now. Well, you guys are at the Phoenix every yeah, day. Yeah, we are. Now, yeah. So, so now you there's two are. things, right? I mean, there are project managers that really don't have to visit the site, but they mm -hmm. have somebody on site, like a mm -hmm. superintendent, right, supervisor, sure. that sort of thing, that who is reporting back. And but there is some person who's not a subcontractor. Right. There's someone from the management or the owner end that shows up every day. Should be every okay. day. Okay. Uh, like, definitely every day, but most of the day, right? There should be somebody there most of the day to uh, of course it depends on the scale not on like a two family house like you don't need sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're talking yeah. about big development bigger yeah. bigger deal yeah. a bigger yeah. a bigger development yeah. of multifamily yeah of course so all right so we're at that site what are we looking for as as an owner or as a construction matter what should we be looking for do we do we carry the plans with us do we open them up and do we take a magnifier out and say okay this doesn't look right over here like what are we looking at what's what what should we while be while the job is going on with the subs right so i guess i mean i, I would go through with the subs like all right, show me what you're doing and what kind of problems you're running into right mm -hmm. because sometimes it'll be one of those things where they're trying to solve the problem themselves and you know, maybe you can help or maybe you can, you know, maybe it's like different trades, but they don't want to talk to each other or for whatever reason, or there, there's always some sort of obstacle. You could look for those first. Uh, second, yeah, I mean, you could just check plans, right? You could just say, mm -hmm. all right, this looks like it's supposed to be this size of a, you know, yeah. bedroom or bathroom or whatever. Go and see if it is, right? Like things like that. If, if your subs are good, they should be asking you like, okay, you know, more specifications of, you know, I don't know, like what, you know what a uh, size the vanity is you know or whatever yeah. like there there's always going to be that if you're in the uh, you know rough part of the stage where you're building you know so so that's yeah I, of, you could check plans i would that's say part of like plans. a request for information that the sub would send out for clarification yeah of ownership or something exactly but what okay. i mean to say is like what would you do on, on the job site as an owner yeah yeah you could check you could check plans you could make sure that that's i feel as though you walk around and put the fear of god into them <laughs> like you know i'm here i'm looking i'm seeing that that nail was crooked you're good at that kind of thing yes i am you're very good at that yeah. Kind yeah. Of yeah. safety is very important too i feel like that oh that's a great question so right. mm -hmm. what do you do when one of your guys don't wear helmets. Refuses to wear a hard hat. Yeah. Why, do, why would he refuse to wear a hard hat? Do you want something to fall thing. on his head? Because he has a hard head. Mm. <laughs> don't need one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different, you know. So what do you do? I mean, we'll have to check. We'll have to get his head checked, you know, scientifically. See if it has the same hardiness. <laughs> but isn't that against the law because he can get hurt and that's going to get you in trouble? It, with I mean, someone? I mean, you, you gotta know. you gotta wear a helmet on site. That's it. Yeah. So what do you do? Have you ever had a situation where one of your subs wouldn't wear a helmet? I mean, refuses to wear a helmet. That's I yeah. don't think I've ever had that situation. You know, I does mean, he have a medical condition that he's referring to? Maybe not that we know. Of. I mean, you you you, <laughs> you you gotta. Um, I think it's like uh, there's gotta be like a meeting just for safety i think you know yeah. just for, with all the subs and tell them like mm -hmm. this is the protocol like you know you need as part of the job i mean this is really like it could go back to the contract but you know obviously that the contract no contract is perfect right but mm -hmm. part of the job is that you got everybody's got to have the right 
PPE and they gotta follow the protocols. OSHA yeah. certified, at least your supervisors and foremans need to be. And sure. They need to, need to need to follow them, and that's just how it is. Yeah. So then that leads us to a question: If you have a sub that isn't working out, yeah. Have you ever had a sub that wasn't working out? And if you did, how did you handle it? I mean, there's so many different situations, you know, but sub like meaning subcontractor, someone right. you hired. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, you you have to. I mean, yeah. If if it's if it's bad, if it's not working out, like definitely not working out, you got to fire them. I mean, that's just that. Right, so give us a story. You must have had one. <laughs> and how do you go about firing the person who's in the middle of a project and you know you'll have to replace them? Mm. I mean, yeah. Usually it co- costs you more money because yeah. this is how the nature is, right? Like. Usually the you know the subcontractor is not putting out money to start the job, so right like the way it works out is your how much you've paid is probably not equivalent to how much work has been done usually right so so there there might be materials that's so you're thing, gonna it's gonna be more out of pocket as the owner but so because you're firing someone hiring someone new but is it in your experience is it worth trying to stick it out with the old contractor even though they're screwing up everything or are you better off biting the bullet Firing them, hiring a new one, and spending that extra money. Right. I mean, in my experience, I, I I used to be on the boat of like, let's just stick it through and and try to get it done, so on and so forth. But in my experience, I've realized that it doesn't work. Like, yeah. you, once you once the you know, and then that's one part of it. Now there's three things. One is like, all right, I've I've learned that it's better to just cut them loose and, and put somebody else new. Second thing is I've learned to make the contracts better, right? Mm-hmm. So you gotta, you know, that's something that's obviously ongoing process doesn't work right off the bat. And then the third thing is that, um, you know, uh, you gotta figure, I mean, like, look, we gotta delve a little bit deeper as to what the problem is because maybe there's some other way to resolve it, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, yeah, three different ways, but yeah, the third one being try to resolve it if you can, right? Like, the, don't just, like you know, you're saying it doesn't. It's not working out. I mean, quality, quality that. of work. It's just the quality's not there. What do you do? Or how do you time. resolve? How do you resolve but is that quality? That cost you more money in the long run than if you were. Oh, to of course it is. Them. But then. you're you're losing money either way. You're either losing money in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I found, or what we found, is when when you have a subcontractor who does below standard work. Well, whoever's building upon that is now going to have their right. stuff all screwed up, and it's just going to be a perpetual problem. So the question is, do you just cut your losses? So you're saying, yes, cut your losses. Right, but I'd love to learn more about exactly what the kind of details are because, you know, I mean, there's always, I mean, sometimes it's one of those things where you think it's worse than it actually is or maybe it's something that could be fixed or maybe you could get them to do it. But, I mean, if it's like, you know, it's got to be five feet and it's six, I mean, yeah, of course, that's, that's the, you know, that's not, that, that is not even about like quality work in terms of like mm-hmm. the finishes. It has to do with like, you're not following the plans. You're not doing it by the scope of work. Yeah. You're not, you're not, you know, this, this you're, you're not doing the job. You right. Know, and so. then it's a matter of when do you cut them off? Do you let them fin- fix their own mistakes? Cause if you bring somebody else in. I mean, I feel like this is like a, more of like, uh, <laughs> I feel like this could apply to so many yeah. things, but yeah. I mean, I, right. you know, if you're asking my personal yeah. opinion, what I would do is like, I would first try to fix it with them. I mean, of course, right? I mean, but uh, yeah, I've had so many instances trying to like metaphorically, you know, hit them in the head with like, hey, what are you doing? You know, and they're and, not wearing a helmet. And, and yeah. so, a helmet so give us like your yeah. worst horror story with a subcontractor. The oh worst. So the one that we're ones. just going to be like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> just pick a juicy one. Just give us a juicy one. One that, you know, we'll learn from. Uh, oh, the sh- guy didn't call, uh, what is it, um, 
1-800-DIG to, to, to mark the lines. And then, he, what's it called? Start, started digging, and then he said, oh, no, we got to call them. Or it was something like that where it wasn't called, but we were supposed to call whatever it was, right? Everybody pointed the finger. And then next thing you know, there he hits a gas line. Wow. Going into the air. Neighbors had to evacuate this, that, the other thing. So. No fire, though. No fire. Just a big explosion. Yeah. Oh, explosion. Well, no, it wasn't an explosion. Thank a God. Gas. Oh, but the explosion the, would have the, been the such a good story. Wow. If there was some, it could have been, right? Like, okay. it could have been pretty bad. But thankfully, we... Uh, and yeah, did that cost you to repair it? Yeah. the the It was PSANG. They ended up Charging sending you. the bill over, and we worked it out. So now, did that contractor get to stay on the job, or did you release him of his duties? I, I felt like it wasn't exactly his fault, so I guess that's not that bad of a story. Okay. But you know, if I think if the if he had marked it out, I think he said, "Oh well, the owner's supposed to mark it out," and you know that sort of thing. It was one of those, but mm -hmm. you know, yeah, you have to. I mean, this was early on. I don't, I don't risk it at all. Like I'll even if I don't know that I'm going to start the job, I'll just call the the number because it's so easy, eight one one, right? So so you have to call before you dig, but. Um, in, in this situation, I, you know, I, I didn't actually blame him, but he, yeah. So was that the owner's responsibility or his? Because it's so it's everything okay, so is it gets, ultimately the owner's responsibility, right? So it gets a little bit, you know, when you're the general contractor and then you have a sub and then you're also the owner, then it gets a little bit. Yeah, it's really usually the general contractor's job to call the, you know, or, or and, and a lot of the subs do it themselves. So it's. It's it's uh you know maybe that's something that's negotiated or something that the general contractor just does. I think we look at it as even though we may not be the general contractor or the construction manager, any mistakes that happen, we're still going to pay for them one way or the other. Yeah. So we need to double check, cross right. all the T's, dot all the I's. See, now, I don't agree with that. So I've heard mistakes out there that if the general, the contract manager or the person, the person messed up and wasn't on site when things were being happening and they and his people messed up he should be the one to put out the money to fix it why is it the owner because what if he doesn't have any money yeah it doesn't matter he needs a fund right, so for then that. you're gonna have to sue them or go after insurance and then now your job is sitting because nobody can move forward because you owe PSENG ten thousand dollars so as an owner what are you gonna do are you gonna pay the ten thousand dollars so you can move forward and then uh, maybe sue the guy later. Sure, I have no okay. problem with that. But it's still going to be now your problem. So had you actually done that double check, you would have caught that. Yes, you shouldn't have to do it. But I feel like just in life, it's a bigger picture. you have to check everything. Right. I mean, and I would just add that, like, things do happen. Like, you know, shit happens. Like, it's just part of the job. Like what? Construction. I mean, you know, a guy hits a gas line and right. <laughs> gas is flung into the air, you know. But I'm just saying, like, things things happen. And, mm -hmm. and it, you, you know, it, I guess I'm sure you, you're assuming that things happen. But, like, yeah, there's if, if there's something specific, then I could probably tell you, like, how I would handle it. But yeah, so. Understood. So let's let's go back to, like, approvals on a site. How sure. hard is it? to um, how much money do you need to get started for an approval process? And like on average, so if you're taking that $400,000 to invest into a site, what are you making? Like how are you turning your 400,000 into 4 million? Like what's the big way to accomplish this, this increase in value? That's a good question. So <laughs> the, I mean, the first and foremost, like you, you, you gotta, you, you, you have to have done a certain amount of due diligence on the lot or figure it out, okay, where we are with 
zoning or precedents in, in, in some sort of planning or entitlements of similar lots where you could have zoning that's different than what's there now or, you know, build something that's that's the highest and best use is, is different than, than what's there now, right? So let's say there was, you knew about a zone where there was higher density zoning, so on and so forth, then you would be doing the due diligence and figuring out, reading all the, the zoning ordinances, the, the looking at planning board approvals, so on right. and so forth, to figure out you so know, what, what that, you could build there. What is that costing you? I mean, that's you're doing on your own. That's not costing anything. Okay. Time. Yeah. So you're, you're so, pretty much looking for areas that are going through redevelopment and increasing density. I mean, it, it, that's if you're looking for another project that way. I mean, for us, it's a little bit different. Usually the site comes to us first, and then we figure out what can be done with it, you know, just because we're always, you know, so um, people are reaching out to options. sellers and, Got it. and that sort yeah, of but thing. But meaning right? no one is sending you a 50 by 100 lot in the middle of some random Bergen County town and telling you to look into what you could do with it. You're probably in a redevelopment zone of some type, right? Right. I mean, mostly they're, they're yeah, they're either redevelopment zones or or the zoning allows for higher density. And then, yeah. I mean, it's always some sort of like you're looking for some arbitrage, right? Like that's, right. You're, right. You're, you're looking to see, oh, they're all two family homes, but you could build a 20 unit building here mm -hmm. because of mm -hmm. the, the redevelopment plan just got approved or, you know, the zoning just changed or, or whatever it is, right? Because, I mean, that that's, yeah, usually how it goes. So you'll f identify a site and then you do your own due diligence as to like what you could build there and then you then you go on to the next step which is you know the design right. the attorneys and engineers and that sort of thing so to get it approved so getting it approved how much that's average <laughs> average project not a massive like not a massive no, so five thousand yeah, yeah. unit building let's like say you find 50, two lots sixty thousand maybe 60. it could be eighty thousand so yeah. anywhere from like a 20 unit to like a hundred unit 50 to sixty thousand I, I would say i would say somewhere between i would say like Lower end, I'm trying to think, maybe f yeah, 50 to, to, so, to 80, 90,000. All right, so let's say 50 to 100 grand. 50, 100, okay. Yeah. That's your investment to take a zoning challenge and turn it into something else. Right. Okay. So we take that 50, that 100 grand. We've now taken a piece of property. What it, what's your average recoupment? Like, what, where's your win? What, it, what are you taking? What's happening from when you get it, when you buy it? to when you change it, the zoning, to now what is it worth? Uh, how are you getting to the $4 million value off the, off the 400,000? Where, where are we going, tell me. I mean, so I, we talked about a little bit of this in the last one where, you know, the, the values of, of, of land, you know, what, well, it's you know, just raw land, if it has approvals, entitlements on it, that sort of thing, right? So you, there's usually, I mean, if you're looking for a marker, there's usually a number where, approved lots are selling for maybe it's like a dollar per unit or mm -hmm. dollar per square foot mm -hmm. or dollar per buildable square foot that sort of thing right so you'll kind of know where that number is and then and this is just for for the novice right you don't have to worry about so let's a pick, let's or pick a number like give that, us an example so you did a project in jersey let's say city jersey i mean yeah we could say jersey city let's say Let's you say know, combining two lots, fifty by hundred. Yeah, let's say it was two, two, two family houses. They're fifty by hundred. We let's say we bought them for. There's all made up numbers. Five hundred. Yeah, we want real numbers. Give us a real number. <laughs> well, then, okay. So, so we could do real numbers. Yeah, too, give us a real that. number. Okay, so uh, Bayonne, okay. We're, we're buying now. This is a much longer process because it's you know, uh, diff you know, different towns have different processes, Understood. right? So. Let's say it's, oh man. So so let's say it was a few houses on, on, on a on a block and 
combined, they were maybe 10,000 square feet. You bought them all for, let's say, $500,000 a piece. Mm -hmm. You're in it for $2 million. Let's say the zoning allows or you do a redevelopment plan or some sort of uh, zoning to get it entitled to 100 units. Okay. They're probably going to sell today at 50000 a unit. So your value is $5 million. I did the math right. So, so yeah. that's kind of where the, the spread is. You know? So you're making, so the value now is $5 million and you haven't even decided whether you're going to flip that or build it. Right. Okay. And you paid how much for the five houses, roughly? Two million. Two point two million. five. Okay. Two. And then your approvals. So let's yeah. say two six. Yeah. Okay. So you're making two point four million dollars just with an approval change. Right. I think that's pretty amazing. And then you have to just factor in the time. Sure. It's cost because of money. Cost well, of did money you actually close in the properties before you went for the approval? That's the thing. I mean, these days most deals are done contingent on approvals, yes. right? Yeah. So you are shelling out that money up front, but you're, you 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 don't get to close on it until you can probably get the financing in place because most banks don't lend on just raw land. This is or what you if did. they do, it's like high uh, loyalty fee. Yeah. This is what you did when the place with the mosque and it was, and then you right. made the eight hundred grand instead of developing on exactly. it. Exactly. Yep. Oh, you should the watch the last one. So so, that way so basically, <laughs> just so again to for discussion purposes, we have a piece of property that. There's five houses. Each house is worth $100,000. But because, and I'm explaining this to our, our viewers, is that because you're getting that extra time um, to turn it into a development site, there's added value mm. to the homeowner because he's going to get more money. So his house as is is worth $100,000, but all five houses together, you said 2.9. So whatever that, that number equates to. Right. Um, so they're making four times more money than they would if they sold it as just a house. So their incentive to do that is to give you the six months of, of approval period. Is that right. what you normally ask for, six months? Uh, usually a year. You ask for a year? Yeah. Okay, and, and you got it. And is there a typical markup on the houses when you make a deal with the owner? I mean, usually, yeah, you're, you're, you're looking to, I mean, that, that's kind of how it works out, right? You're paying the owner more for it than what they would get as is and, that's and, that, and that's if they're willing to wait between yeah. the 50 and the 100 like yeah. if the house is worth 100 he's giving each of them 500 and the reason he's giving them the 500 is because of that approval period right right if that approval fails their house goes back to being worth 100 yeah right? i've had a situation yeah. where, that makes sense. where Somebody yeah where, where the I, I would put the value of a house that i had under contract at mm -hmm. or actually we were negotiating the contract I would have probably put the value at like maybe nine fifty a million, something like that. And the guy was like, I want eight hundred. I just want eight hundred in my bank and mm -hmm. I'll retire. We said, Okay, we'll give you eight hundred. So while we're going back and forth on the on the contract, the guy was an attorney himself and whatever the reason was, we never actually signed the contract. Somebody came in and said, I'll give you two point five contingent on getting the four houses next to you. So we would have closed in 30 to 60 days but he was like look i i can't say no to that like you know like we said hey look we could adjust our offer this and that but he's like look it's 2.5 like i don't think you're adjusting mm -hmm. it wow. to that point it's 2.5 contingent on four other houses. houses did they get the other four houses i don't think he's yet closed yet no. okay and this has been four years now so that's wow. pie in the sky four years later he still has no money right, right. and he was trying to retire but you know, so uh, yeah. I guess he's still working out there. <laughs> um, well, but the point was, yeah, I've seen all sort of like contingent deals, right? Like yeah. you could have it 
stuff like that. And, and, and then I've seen it where there'll be homeowners will get the approvals themselves. You know, that I've seen that too. Like, you know, there's different So situations. we've talked about getting approvals ourselves. Now, obviously, you know, we're in the business, so we have some understanding as what people need, but we right. also do a lot of trading and we represent a lot of developers. Yes. And what I've learned is that every developer has a different sweet spot. They have different flavors as to what they want to build. Yes. Some will only build 50 units and up. Some will only build 20 units. Some need 200 units. So I found that it's hard sometimes to get approvals unless you actually know who you're going to try to sell it to mm. because you could come up with some super creative idea, you know, like a recipe for some amazing architecturally beautiful building with, you know, yeah. smaller apartments or massive right. apartments and then nobody wants to buy it from you and nobody mm -hmm. wants to build it. So sometimes I think that's dangerous. And I feel that if you don't know what you're doing, you really need to go try to get that sold and then get it approved based on what someone's, um, or actually you're just you're just letting that person buy it. Yeah, that's a great you point. Know? Yeah, I've had it, situations where, you know, I've seen approved lots. It's like, oh, wow, in, in this little lot, they put so many units. You look at the plans and it's like really tiny units that you can't, they're not even like livable. That's how mm -hmm. bad it is. And I, I wouldn't want to put that product out there myself. And, and so, you know, we're looking at if it says 40, it's really like 30 normal size units. And then that messes up the whole number. So so on and so forth. I would have to go back, do the whole process over right. again. It's better to do it, you know, one way right off the bat. Now, I know in like Jersey City, if you have a fifty by hundred lot, that's a, such a narrow, small. Like you, you, most of the designs everybody's doing, they all kind of look the same, right? Right. Fifty by hundred, seventy-five by hundred, whatever it is. So, so, so you know, those I guess are more, you know, tradable with each other than something that is a larger development where you have, you know, I've had seen projects with like so much more amenity sure. space than required or than needed right that i mean things like that right you see see that all the time but yeah, that's a good point that um it, it also matters like for me i would r rather prefer to go to the approvals myself especially if i want to these days there's a lot of competition in the rental market you want to put something out that's a little bit different than what else is out there right so yeah. however you do that maybe it's a amenity that nobody has or maybe it's you know some sort of uh you know like something special about the design that's actually maybe co more it costs more than 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 you know like somebody else is willing so, to put so, in so so rather than doing a cookie cutter right right you're saying do something more boutique -y. so make it look like a hotel or put a pool in or right. jacuzzi or a somewhere. bungee cord off the roof <laughs> <laughs> what amenities do the phoenix does the phoenix have the building that we're building mm -hmm. has great amenities first of all it's all single occupancy mm -hmm. um, one bedroom apartment so we're we're, we're looking okay. for that no children type flavor you know it's all going to be children are fine children are fine <laughs> just not, not, not in this here. building you know we're looking for either single people or, or mm -hmm. couple yep. mm -hmm. to come in mm -hmm. and um, we have like it's going to be like a hotel style flavor very trendy yeah. colors black ceilings um, we have floor to ceiling windows so the, our great. prerequisite was we have to be able to lie on our stomach to be able to and look out the window. Um, <laughs> so we have that, which we think is really cool. Um, rooftop lounge, right? Rooftop lounge. Yep. Barbecue, fire pit. Fire pit, barbecue, tons go. of square footage on our rooftop. Yeah. Um, we're going to have Very a bocce sweet. court up there. Uh, we have a pergola. Um, and we have views of New York City from that, yeah. from that rooftop. Yes. And that's also going to be a private rooftop exclusive for the 24 apartments. 
Um, we're also in the process of putting in a um, very exclusive eatery on the first floor, Amazing. which will be able to cater t exclusively to the 24 units in the building. Um, they'll be able to have food delivered to the rooftop. It's, it's going to be super exciting. I yeah. love that. Have you found found the people yet? That's great. We do. I heard bocce, bocce courts are out, by yeah. the way. I don't know. Noelle and, and her fiance play bocce all the time. Is that right? Yeah. Tennis, <laughs> tennis and pickleball. Tennis, pickleball? Can you fit a pickleball court we probably, up there? We probably could, but we're afraid the balls are going to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be a No, but that sounds yeah. amazing. I know, isn't it? It's I'm almost really like excited. I want to move out of my, yeah. my house to go live there. <laughs> you should have one apartment saved for just the people who work here. Well, maybe we could do the, the Phoenix Remix apartment. Oh. And with, with all the money the we're making, out of it. I love that. <laughs> and we can we can have a, a podcast there, but uh, it's actually pretty cool. One of the units has a private deck, so nice. Um, yeah, we're excited about it. You know, it's going to cool. be state of the art, uh, controllable, smart units. Yep. Um, our kitchens are very unique. Okay. We're not, we're not doing traditional cookie cutter. They're yeah. more no, sleek. No white shaker. <laughs> Definitely it's modern, no white shaker. Modern building. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, we we do have some challenges. You know because some of us want to spend more money than others, but we're working through it. Um, we're getting there. So, so that leads me to a question. How do you deal with your finances as a developer? Who handles your bank draws? Who handles your day-to-day -day projections? Is someone telling you how much money you need, or, or are you figuring all this out on your own? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's mostly figuring out on, on your own. But, you know, there's a lot more. I feel like, you know, things have changed a lot more than a you know, years ago where there's more software now that kind of handles it. And, you know, there's, yeah. you, you know, you kind of have an idea of, of, of what's, what's, what's going on in terms of your, your finances a lot better now than before, but yeah, pretty much we're doing it ourselves. Yeah. Okay. So I have no idea. Omar's in charge of finance. So you collect all the invoices. I have no idea. Somebody else somebody is in charge else of it. Okay. <laughs> so who's that somebody on the team? Is it part of the GCs? Or? I mean, it, I mean, it's it's a little bit more of a collaborative effort, but you okay. know, there's somebody that handles like just the, the bank administrative and accounting side of things. Yeah. Okay. So we actually Omar looks at every contract and tries to analyze which is the best contract. Yeah. He tries to determine, yeah. you know, are people padding their contracts? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, is there someone in there that's taking like a referral fee that we yeah. don't know about? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, he 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 scrutinizes for that. How do you prevent? Um, a contractor or a middleman from like building in fees into some of your your contracts. I mean, it's uh, I, you know, it's one of those things like some things are just unavoidable, right? Like I just yeah, feel like you know, like sometimes it's just part yeah. of. You know, I, I knew this a buddy of mine used to have a you know dessert store, and and he was uh, you know uh, would say like you know when it comes to like people stealing like it's just gonna happen it's just part of the cost of doing Ooh. business right i mean i think we, we i think the framers on on one of the projects we did was like a subcontractor of another subcontractor and it was so like convoluted mm -hmm. and we were paying this one guy and then so on and so forth thankfully everybody got paid and, and the job got done and now we're, we're doing the projects with just the guy that was doing the job but you know the, the these things are, are very common especially yeah. in, in, in in commercial real estate when you're building because everyone has to eat so everyone tries to get paid right or it's just how it goes because you know maybe the subcontractor is not got good at going out and bidding jobs and one person is or maybe it's mm -hmm. You know, there's some sort of agreement with a bunch of different crews, even though they're separate companies. Like, there's always a lot of different things going on. But, 
you know, how, how do you figure out? I mean, you 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 have to estimate things yourself, and then you have to get multiple bids, and then you have to kind of you know figure out you you know negotiate, yeah. and then if somebody if there's some dude that's getting some money off of the contract or whatever it is, and that's just how it you know but the work is good and 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 they're showing up and so on and so forth then i mean i almost doesn't matter yeah. right so, so let's say and i feel like it's not as commonplace as as you might think you know you don't <laughs> really <laughs> so let's say let's take a trade like framing you have a gc who brings you three different bids they're all pretty similar 350 370 380 right very similar mm-hmm. um and you don't know the pricing and where it should be. How would you verify that that's even in the right price range? I, I take it back. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say it's rare, but it, it is common. But it's it's across the board. It's it's tracking. It's across the board. I'm just thinking about things, but yeah, you know, you you, you have to learn to avoid it, right? So okay, three bids. They're all three the bids. same. They're similar, and he's saying pick this one, but you don't know. You don't have your own framer to bid, so you don't know where the price should be. So is it a range of three fifty to three eighty? How do you verify where? What if the price should be two fifty? Right. I mean, that's just you, you, you. So do you get a value engineered or how do you go about figuring out if it's that's even in the right? I mean, I, I, you, you could go as far as hiring a third party to estimate, estimate it for right? you. If, if you're okay. not estimating it yourself, you know, you, you couldn't do that. Do you work with third party estimators? I mean, yeah, there, there's there's a few that yeah. I work with. But I mean, you could have I mean, you, you, you could go out and get your own bid. You could, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like these are things as you go forward and as you do multiple projects, it just becomes easier? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, you pretty much, you know, then you're, yeah, it's, it's, especially, yeah, you do more projects, you'll, you'll know that the contracts, I mean, yeah, of course, mm-hmm. prices go up, you know, prices have gone up for materials and labor yeah. significantly in the last yeah. year, a few years, right? So, so of course, but yeah, you could kind of figure so it out. So that's a great question. One of the things we experienced is we had some of our, some of our bids got a little stale. Um, so we had to rebid them and some of the pricing changed. Yeah. Um, we also had some of the bids go down. Mm. How so? My question is how how long do you let a bid sit before you feel you should reprice it? So if you go to a contractor, right, and it's four months after the bid, and you know there's a lot of commodities, you know a lot of yeah. wood or metal, whatever in this bid, right, and we all know that those those things fluctuate as I guess daily, right, as yeah. to when yeah. they're being purchased from whatever whatever supplier they're getting. When would you rebid that? Because we we ran into a, a situation. Was it with wood? I think. Yeah, lumber. Where um, the lumber prices are down compared yeah, to a few months ago. Yeah. yeah, but we were actually going through, and we were going to hire. We were going to look at a bid, and just for kicks, we were like, we want to get today's price, and mm-hmm. someone who we were asking was not. Uh, at least I felt they were not going to offer us today's price. Yeah. And yeah. because we asked for today's yeah, price, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden, oh yes, we're gonna get today's price, and it went down like ten percent. Yeah, yeah. We saved like forty thousand dollars. Yeah, he was using a bid that was only a few weeks old too. I mean, I think a lot of guys will just put thirty days, and and then and then it really doesn't matter, right? If it's day day forty five, right? But yeah. I'd probably say ninety five days, especially. If, I mean, usually it's the other way around where you don't want to, you know, say a rebid because you're like, uh, this is a good price. It probably went higher. Like, so do you actually deal. check that stuff, or do you just once you feel comfortable it fits your budget, you're just like, we're gonna. I mean, I, I think when it comes to the things that where there's a little bit more fluctuation in terms of pricing, like materials, then I I would I would try to separate that labor and materials separately, where you procure the materials yourself, you know, that sort of thing. So um, my question to you, 
back to you mentioned about having subcontractors yeah. and how you had a sub working for a sub working for a sub. So, yeah. you know, we ran into a situation where we had a sub, which had a sub, which had a sub, and I just felt violated, mm. you know, yeah. and, you know, I don't like to be violated, and right. I, and I think Omar wasn't too excited no. about it either. <laughs> explain, he also doesn't can like. You, wait, explain why that bothered you so much. Can you? Because let I'm the like, who the know? who the hell is in charge? Right. You know, and um, it was like I thought we hired you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like right. we hired Joe, right? But then Joe had Chris, and then Chris had Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. when we would go right. to the site, we're like. Bob's hi, like, Bob. hi. And Who the hell like, are you? Hey. Because we yeah. didn't hire Bob. Right. We hired mm-hmm. Joe. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that that was something that mm-hmm. I'm not used to happening, you know. And of course. Um, I was very off-put by that. Right. So, I mean, in our situations, the people that – and Bob in this – in my situation <laughs> was very professional, did the job right, didn't cut any corners, so on and so forth. So, yeah. you know, I couldn't complain, right? But I, I totally get it, right? So, and, and uh, I mean, it's 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 – you know, is Bob doing the right job? You know, is how's that's it, where we had our issue. He wasn't, so that's oh, that's so where it became an issue. But Bob's, if it went, Bob's got to go. Yeah, <laughs> Bob the builder. Bob the builder. <laughs> as we all people with kids would understand what that is. But um, it, it, I don't even know if it was the right job. I just think it was just not what I had expected. And I was just like, well, what if the you f- hire one person, you expect that yeah. person to have accountability for everything. And did the, did there should have been transparency have or something. Correct. There was or, none of that. Or even one of those things where like, if, if there's like two other people that are making money off of a single contract, then that means that's le- less left for the, for Bob and Bob will have to cut corners because. And that's exactly really what it was. So they that, took really? a long time to do the job instead of, they didn't necessarily cut corners, but they took their sweet time. Mm-hmm. In, in, and they're telling us they're saving money, but there's two people getting paid on it, right? And that's where the conflict becomes. So is that a red is that a red flag for you? I mean, yeah, that's definitely. If the job's being yeah. done right, it doesn't matter, right? But if it's delayed I mean, yeah, stuff, then you, then you we're could get for it. lucky in the sense that the job is being done right, so on and so forth. But yeah, you, but like I said, yeah. you've got to avo- avo- okay. do what you can to avoid that, right? Like, right. And, and it also matters when it comes to like insurance, right? Because you got to make sure that these people sure are so many factors. So again, yeah. taking that four hundred, turning into four million. You know, we, our our project, we took a, the, the first one that we did together, I'd say we took, we had units, uh, we took our land from, I'd say, pre-approval pricing, Yeah. okay, of 400,000, Okay. and then took it up to a pr- approved value for our bank. Our bank approved the land at how much? Two million. Two million, so that's $1.6 million yeah. increase. And we did nothing. We didn't put one shovel in the ground. Yeah. So the path to riches, guys and gals, you need to, to learn how to be a developer. You need to learn how to get approvals. We can help you here on, on the Remix video podcast. And so. yeah, there's a, wait, got, there's wait, a lot. Hold on. We need you wait, to subscribe. Wait. Yes. We need everyone out there to press that button. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Do you want to take your 400,000 to what was it? 4 million, Four million. or more? <laughs> subscribe. Listen to this. Uh, what are we? A podcast. <laughs> listen to this podcast. Follow us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere where you get your podcasts. And Yusuf, it was a pleasure. We look forward to having you on again. Yes, let's for do part it. Three, yeah. four, five, and six <laughs> of how to teach Eric and Omar how to develop. <laughs> so remember, if you visualize it, you can own it. Yes. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.